You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back, everybody, to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with my man with a plan, Mr. Dan. Hey! Howdy, howdy! Dan, we missed you last time. I'm sorry. It's okay. You've been busy. You've been a busy boy. Well, it's important to keep everybody guessing. <laughs> exactly. Is he on? Is he not on? And I, this week, unfortunately, Jason is not on with us. He just kind of moved into a new house, and he has no internet. So uh, <laughs> kind of hard to podcast with that with us. I um, went over and visited him just after the move was over, because you helped with the move, right? I yeah, suppose. just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it because of the stuff I was doing with my house. I had an inspection, and uh, I showed up, and all the kids were on devices. And I was like... <laughs> Every he has a lot of kids, and they're all on a different couch spread around, all on a all on a, like a, a Nintendo or an iPod or something. It was it was really adorable. I was like, it's not just my kids. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. And it, you know, they're probably like, oh, finally we can arrange this house while you know we're not being swarmed <laughs> by his brood. He literally has a brood hive of children too. So, Good for him. Good yes, exactly. for Jay. Exactly. So let's kick it off, my man. How was your geek week this week? It was good. Um, so I, I, I have um, a, a, a cautionary tale. You know I play this very addictive game on my phone when I'm bored <laughs> called Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Oh, no. Which is one of those uh, dopamine games where they're constantly giving you little teeny tiny drops of something else. And The first hit's free. So exactly. So I've been playing this thing for like months. If it wasn't for the quarantine, I probably would have given it up. But because of the quarantine, I just have more time on my phone. So long story short, I went from, oh, I'll just try this, see if it's fun. And okay, it was okay for a while. And then I'm like, you know, I'm kind of hitting a wall here. What if I put $5 into this game? And then um, the magic happened. Five bucks in, it's like you're walking through levels like a hot knife through butter. And then they slowly, slowly, slowly slow you down. You're like, well, I got to put more money into this thing. So <laughs> 10 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 15 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Before you know, I've dropped at least $100 on this stupid game. You have not. And I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm not oh, even joking. Oh, wow. I can't, I can't make this up. So Damn, we got, talked about this. Our first, I think in our first podcast, you yes. said you had picked it up. Yes, I did. And because I love all things Star Wars, it, it scratches an itch for me. And anyway, it's no good excuse. So this is a cautionary tale, Justin. So my wife says to me, she's like, well, I'm playing this Uno game. Clearly, you're playing this Star Wars game, but you have a $10 a week fee, don't you? I'm like, no, there, there's no fee. <laughs> <laughs> First mistake. Yes, there's a fee. Yeah, uh. yeah. She, I, I, I'm like, trying not to lie, you know, trying to be an honest person. She's like, so you're opting in to pay that money? I'm like, and my daughter, my teenage daughter was with me. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I got to buy Jedi crystals. And they just, just <laughs> laughed and made fun of me nonstop. Oh, no. It's like, Ridicule. you know, it's bad. When the teenager's jumping on you and the, the the mother and the teenage daughter are feeding off each other more insults to make fun oh, of me. No. And here's the worst part. It, it, there's supposedly it's been downloaded like, you know, 8 million times or something like yeah. that, which doesn't mean that's the player base. On the server that they launched me on, I think there was about 30,000 players. I've been playing this for a few months. I'm in the top 1,100. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're, you're like... You're like... 
you're, you're cracking the leaderboards now. I've switched guilds like four times now, and every time I go to a tougher guild, and everybody's way better than me. And I'm not lying. Uh, there's two areas. There's there's uh, personal combat and space combat. In space combat, I hover around rank 120. <laughs> wow. So, cautionary tale, if you're going to get addicted to these things, figure out a way to fund them without being transparent to the people around you. And uh, it's better to grind out levels slowly and have a little dignity than it is to have a 15-year-old girl make fun of you who you've supported her entire life about your uh, weaknesses. And I was thinking, I'm not really spending that much money because I used to drop money like that on X-Wing left and right and yeah. Armada. And that's pretty much dried up for me for obvious reasons. But anyway, it's fun. And it's actually a game. Once you get into it, there's actually a strategy to it. When you first start playing it, you're just match, mashing button, buttons and shooting stormtroopers. It's a little boring, but you get you, you play it for a week or two. You're like, oh, there's a whole pattern here. And yeah. you can predict what the computer's going to do. And you know, you, you get paired against other players' lists, and you know how to go after their list. And so there, it's actually a game. There's actually a game there. And a strategy. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I didn't expect it to be a game, but it is. So if you like Star Wars and you like a dopamine game, like all those farmer things that I never played but everybody got into, um, play at your own risk um, and just hold on to your dignity. Uh, but it, it, it can be fun. And I don't know when I'm ever going to stop. <laughs> well, now now we're ready for regular updates. Yeah, know? yeah. No, it's I I started taking photos of my rankings. I'm like, I gotta post these on our Discord so people can know. And I'm like, no, I better not. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, oh, the other geek yeah. thing is I bought a uh, 75 inch Vizio, not OLED, but it's pretty close to OLED um, L LCD and I'll be um, LED I mean and I'll be uh, it I shows like it. up on Friday which means I had to find you know the right disc player for it and I think I've got to upgrade the old Xbox so that's that's coming I, I dropped that piece of knowledge on my spouse and she could just kind of it shook her <laughs> she's like what we're getting what I'm like yes this is what we're getting then I changed the conversation quickly so so anyway. what uh, disc player did you end up settling on? Which what? So you said you got to change your disc player from the. Do you have an Xbox? Well, one I, I, or I, a no, I, I know I have a I, I have a very old Xbox, so it's okay. time for me to go straight to the X, and I want to be able to play 4K Blu-rays. Yep. So nice. uh, and I don't want to buy a dedicated 4K Blu-ray player because I'm not going to buy enough discs, but right. I am going to stream on it, and I am getting a Dolby Atmos um, and Dolby. A vision tv so it kind of like matches it. it's not yep. I, i've gone on the av foreman forums and they're like it's not the same you gotta get a dedicated player and i'm like well you know whatever we'll get around to that yeah it's like the perfect the perfect peach compared to a very 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 good peach right exactly you, you, there's the diminishing the law of diminishing the law of diminishing returns and this has a huge gaming nexus we should talk about on another time especially games that you buy into when is the point of diminishing returns yeah 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 and and xbox can do i mean i think that a lot of the 4k streamers you know have access to netflix and yeah. you know hulu and all that stuff and but, all the tvs know, do everything yeah, has everything exactly. so it's like yeah what am i what are the features i'm sorry i didn't mean to talk yeah. over you that's fine it's, no no i was gonna say the same thing so it's, it's very true yeah 
Yeah. Anyway, I it shows up on Friday. I'm going to set it just in the living room in the box and then watch the uh, chimpanzees that live in my house go crazy that it's just sitting in the box in the living room. Because <laughs> you're, you, you're saving it for your new house, right? It's for the new house, but there's yeah. nothing that says I can't put it on a folding table and plug it into the wall. <laughs> there's nothing that says you can't. No. That is true. But if I don't, I'm more likely to get the, the audio system I want. So I should hold back. I should say, just, no, just no, we don't have the speakers for it. And da, 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 yeah, da. Yeah. I should come up with those excuses so then I can drop another $1,000 on audio gear. Yeah, you got to think this through strategically. Yeah. Slowly. It's just, yeah, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, let's see. For my Geek Week, um, I finished Battlestar Galactica Season 3. Woohoo! So I've got one season left. Um, yeah. I got to tell you, um, I mean, it was season three was a bit of a slog. Yeah. Um, getting You're not alone. It. And it's heavy. I mean, it's heavy material, right? Yeah. But I got to say, it's really good stuff too. It's a well done really series. Good stuff. If, if, I mean. If you're yeah. on board for it, it'll take you lots of great places. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, and, and spoilers, I mean, I, it's hard to spoil a show that's almost 20 years old now at this point, but um, I guess 15 years old. But, you know, I mean, the trial of Gaius Balthar, I thought oh. those those series, those episodes so good. were so good. And so those good. were bottle episodes when they ran out of money to do special effects. They're like, we need a season finale, courtroom yeah. drama. <laughs> You know, but I mean, what I think Battlestar Galactica does really well is, you know, the whole the the whole underpinning of the thing is like, what is humanity? Like, what is real humanity? You know, and um, you know, they they do a really good job of exploring like the those aspects of it, and saying like like you know, if we got rid of this aspect, if we got rid of like justice, does that make us less human? Absolutely, it does. You know. And so it's been really good. I've I've enjoyed it. It's just it's heavy. It, they're heavy episodes. I yeah, can, I and you're pl- and you're plowing through it faster than any of us watched it. Where right. you know the, the, we 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 had forced breaks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I could I think that this show is probably better seen, you know, one ep- one or two episodes a week rather than five. Yeah, you know, or something like that. So because then it, it, there's there's any any show certain shows are designed to be binge. That show was not designed to be binge. Right. Yep. You can, but it, it wasn't. That was not the intention. So I got one one episode left, and uh, or not one episode, one season left, and just gonna you know get through that um, and and enjoy it as I go along. Um, I'm actually playing in an Age of Sigmar tournament this week Whoa. on Tabletop Simulator. No um, way! Good yeah, how cool is how cool is that? And here's what's awesome about it: I'm playing against some of the best players in the U.S. right now. Do um, it! Yeah, you're talking like guys that live in Pittsburgh, live in Colorado, live in the Bay Area. I mean, these are guys that are you know in the top ten regularly at these major tournaments. And I'm in a tournament of twenty people with them, you know, and it's nice. an opportunity to play some great guys some great lists learn some things and you know i mean uh talking talking about you know where's tabletop simulators sit with a lot of stuff i think that it gives these types of opportunities that i normally wouldn't have and i and i'm i'm happy for that you know i mean the coronavirus put a serious damper on our in-person gaming of course yeah and yeah. um but to be able to have this and it i mean this is bigger than a silver lining in my opinion i think it's opening up a new way of gaming that will probably stick around after the coronavirus 
in that, you know, I mean, I'm like I said, it's fun to try new things with this because I don't have to pay for the models. They're all there digitally, you know, and I can try it out. I can mess with around with things. And then I can say, I really want to test my metal against some of the best in the country. Let's try it. Let's That's try so it. great. You know, so and great. it's it's a lot of fun. So been having a lot of that. So uh, in doing that as well, I've been also painting, you know, and just making sure that my army is tabletop ready in case we have the Nova open, which I have my doubts at this point <laughs> now that Gen Con is canceled. And I think Historicon in Pennsylvania, which is in July, is canceled or August, you know. I think and... all you have left is, is now prayer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the numbers have to get super good pretty quick and stay super good for a while for them to do that. And to be honest with you, even then, I bet I bet 40 to 50% of the people wouldn't even show up. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I was for Gen Con. I mean, I was one of those guys that says, "So what if they do it?" I mean, I always get a rager cold after after Gen yeah. Con or during Gen Con and I just couldn't I was like, is it, if I catch it there, is it worth bringing it home to the kids? And right. So, uh, so anyway, I don't have to, uh, spoiler alert in our news section, if you hadn't heard, Gen Con's cool <laughs> is yeah. uh, canceled. Uh, let's see, last Geek Week, and then we'll get into that. It's kind of related. I just got off the podcast um, with um, one of the founders of No Dice, No Glory, uh, Mitch Reed. And we had a great conversation about historical wargaming and wargaming in general. And I think it's going to set up a regular interaction with between us and No Dice, No Glory. They're very much into bolt-action games, you know, like uh, World War, you know, the Great War, World War One, World so War Two type stuff. Um, they're into, um, he was telling me about a Japanese Shogun game that they have nice. with ninjas and samurai. It sounds awesome. Yeah. And um, he told me about another Old West game that you use cards and chips um, to play with miniatures. All of that sounded really awesome, and we're going to do a series where I'm going to introduce him to some Age of Sigmar Warhammer stuff, and he's going to introduce me to some of his historical wargaming stuff, and yeah. we'll kind of give our report. Good. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I have um, lots of thoughts about uh, historical wargaming I have more thoughts than times I've actually done it. Yeah. Um, but that's great. I, I, so, that's another... Uh, D&D came out of historical wargaming simulation. Yeah. That's where the, that's what those guys were working on when yeah. they came up with D&D. So I told him the next episode that we do together, he's coming on our show, and we're going to pummel him with, with historical wargaming questions. He, he better be ready. Good. <laughs> good. So, yeah, that was my Geek Week, man. It was pretty good and pretty fun. That's great. All right, yeah. let's get into the news. Yep. Um, there's a new Dungeons & Dragons live event. It'll be called Roll with Advantage. It's taking place on June 18, 19, and 20, starting 10 Pacific, on the D&D Twitch page. During the stream, Wizards of the Coast will announce uh, the new big releases for this year, including a new storyline and a new campaign setting. On top of the big announcements, there'll be several live stream games. Guests will include... Jania Gavankar, Deborah Ann Wool, Thomas Middleditch, uh, who from Middleditch and Schwartz on Netflix right now. It's an improv show, and he's a comedian. And he was on the uh, aborted pilot for the Dwight Schrute show. He was going oh, to be Dwight's brother. Uh, Sam Richardson, and he's also a, a D&D guy. Uh, sorry, Middleditch is, is a D&D guy. He was playing with the guy who did Community. 
um, uh, uh, Harmon Quest. He was great okay. on Harmon Quest. Sam Richardson, David Harbour from Stranger Things and go. Black Widow. That's he's the, probably the biggest high, one of the biggest high rollers they have on this list. Anna Prosser, Brandon Ruth, Superman Returns, Chuck and Legends of Tomorrow. Brandon Ruth. Matthew Lillard, who is known yeah. for his Scooby-Doo and for the great Wing, Wing Commander film, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a classic. And, of course, if there's something geeky to be had on the Internet, Felicia Day always pops up from the Guild and from many things involving Joss Whedon. A lot of other folks you can go on, um, check it out online. And uh, there, there's some other notables in the geek community that you may find interesting. I Very talked cool. about the ones who I knew about and, and thought were interesting. So my question of this, I mean, this is a Wizards of the Coast bro- uh, broadcast, right? Yeah. Which uh, Critical Role is not, right? I mean, Correct. it's sort of endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, but not officially part of. Correct. And um, it's to interesting. My yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think that there's sort of a loose handshake partnership there, of course, you know, but um, with Mike Mercer, um, but uh, or Matt Mercer, sorry. Matt. Um, but this is interesting because it's an official WOTC. Um, yeah. Production. No, and this is great. I mean, clearly they have Hasbro money. Hasbro knows D and D is one of their biggest growth lines right yeah. now. This is like in an era where Hasbro is having a hard time with their margins because of things like Amazon. Um, people don't go to big, like Toys R Us closed, right? Yeah. Um, the margins on D&D happen to be amazing um, considering what they put into it. So I'm not surprised they got David Harbour. I mean, yeah. he's such a great, great guy. I mean, I was not interested. I mean, I like Thomas Middleditch and I like Brandon Ruth. I think he's a swell guy. But as soon as I found out David Harbour was doing it, I'm like, oh, well, well, what day is he doing his? I want to watch him play D&D. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> and Matthew Lillard has been a huge D&D proponent. He's one of the celebrities out there who talks about D&D that he plays and he loves it and it's part of his thing. So um, I'm not going to shame Matthew Lillard for Scooby-Doo or Wing Commander. He's got a bigger career in Hollywood than I do. So good for him. And he's... <laughs> and he's and, and he's an uncloseted D&D player. What, what more can you ask for? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we mentioned it before. Gen Con officially announced cancellation of 2020. If you don't do anything with your badge, if you bought one, it automatically rolls into 21. Um, uh, housing reservations through the housing portal will be automatically canceled and deposits refunded. So... Um, there's also going to be a, a virtual event, so keep an eye on their webpage. It's kind of, who knows what they're going to do. They're attempting to have a faux Gen Con over the internet. That's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, one of, one of the discussions I had um, with the No Dice, No Glory guy was that, you know, gaming is gaming suffering during coronavirus, and... For role-playing games, I don't think so, man. I think it just has fueled the fire. I mean, we're now using conferencing apps for pretty much everything. Yeah. Why not D&D, right? And so why couldn't you do a virtual convention almost? That sounds yeah. awesome. I hope they come up with something. Um, there's a lot of you know, second- and third-tier game companies that need Gen Con to roll out product and get people yep. excited yep. about their games. There's a bunch of game companies, and they're not in the news right now. They're holding product back till next year. Because they're just, they can't get, they won't be able to build up the momentum. Um, I 
I had some friends that were running a game company for a while, and their their booth at Gen Con was clutched to their whole business plan. And then uh, Gen Con made it difficult for smaller um, folks to get booths, um, which chased them away. Then they started their own con, and then they're they're happier about with that yeah. than before. But n- nonetheless. Whatever they do will be great. I think it's just to make, you know, keep uh, community momentum going probably more than anything else from a commerce standpoint. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, one of the reasons we go to Gen Con is to learn about all the things that are new and that are happening out yeah. there. So if there's something, if there's a, if there's a digital space where we can all go in July to, to check that out, then 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 good. That's, that's not cool. a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, the one thing about Gen Con is not canceled. Which are the any awards? They're gonna do a, a live stream uh, ceremony on July 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So I don't know if you've been involved at all in the Ennies in the past, Justin, but you, they, there's a, a panel that selects the finalists and then they turn the voting out to like the internet, um, yeah. which is cool. And folks that I know have won Ennies before, and products that I've played and loved have won Ennies before, and podcasters that I listen to have been involved with the Ennies since since their inception 20 plus years ago. So it's a good thing, and I'm glad that they're keeping that going. Um, it's one of those things that I, when I went to Gen Con, I never went to the Ennies award ceremony just because we had other things happening. Um, and usually at that time, you're not like, hey, I want to sit at a table and clap for products I've never played, I've never seen. But it's a good thing, and it's a big part of Gen Con. It, it, will, it will live on. Yeah, I like the Ennies because the Ennies tend to sum up some of my favorite games that I see come out every year that are a lot of fun to play. Because um, I think they're fan-voted, aren't they? The innings? They are. They are. That's yeah. that's kind of one of the things, and um, you don't have to you don't have to vote in every category. Um, some years I do when I have time to, to go online and really experience. Let's say it's the artwork thing. You can go online and get a feel for what kind of artwork matches your aesthetic. Um, and and sometimes there's stuff that you play that, that that's out there, and when that's the case, I try to go vote for it. Yeah. Um, or podcasts that you listen to. Right, um, right, right. You know, a podcast that I was involved with won the best podcast of the year one year many years ago, and that was like everybody was walking ten feet off the ground when that when that happened. So that's awesome. It was cool. It was cool. It's it's a good thing, and um, I'm glad there there won't be a, a missing here like there will be for uh, uh, the World Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, my last piece of news this is not a downer um, so if you want more character creation options for your 5e games Ancestry Awaken brings not just new choices for your race or ancestry but also an entirely new system for handling race in your games the system replaces race with ancestry to allow much more flexibility in character creation the system is similar to but still very different from one used in Pathfinder 2nd edition that divorces most stat boots from boosts from a character's an- ancestry replacing them with player chosen plus one bonuses to these attributes so if you want to know about how do you mix you know a half orc with a half elf or what happens when a you know a, a 
a halfling and an orc have an offspring. You can figure that out. <laughs> you can have that yeah. in gang. Yeah. You can have harpies and gorgons, medusas, undeads, and gnolls, and all sorts of forty more, and, and all sorts of races. So, this uh, the PDF uh, is print on demand. It's available for fifteen dollars. So, go okay. ahead and look online for Ancestry Awakened. So this is a, at a Kickstarter. Is that what this is? Yep. Uh, this project is still shy of its $5,000 funding goal. At least it was last time I checked when I wrote the notes. And let's look at the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter. Oh, it is only 800 and a few dollars away from its $5,000 nice. goal. Nice. Um, one thing that I like about this I idea um, is that, look, not all orcs are the same. Right? Yeah. Just like not all humans are the same or not all. And so the idea of being able to choose your stat boost, I think, is kind of nice because then you can say, oh, well, um, you know, like I have a skinny, agile orc who likes stealth. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure those exist somewhere, right? It's not all the burly club wielding, you know, ones that you get. And so I like the idea of being able to sort of build it the way you want. And even if you use the same the same, you know, ancestry or race, you don't you're not locked into it, you know. Yeah, so. and and it just makes, you know, able to dial things up and dial things down and get away from the tropes. So one of the tropes yeah. in classic D&D is if you're going to play a warlock, you're obviously going to play a tiefling. Because right. those the class and the race go together like you know peanut butter and jelly, right. and there's other race class combos, and that just kind of makes things kind of redundant. You know, it's yeah. like okay, you're the first person who found the, you know, like I played a tiefling warlock because as a level one I went oh wow this makes my life easier at level one. Now, later yeah. at other levels it didn't, but um, you know. It, it, so it's good. It's good to break up the monotony of the everything always feels like the same all the time. Right, right. Yeah, very good. Uh, oh, and you've got cool. War, Warhammer news for us. I do. Um, earlier this week, um, actually it was probably on Saturday or Sunday. I'd have to go back and look at my emails. Anyway, there was a price increase announced for... Um, no, so it was it was middle of last week. There was a price increase announced for Warhammer stuff, and it got the community totally aflame. What? How can you charge us more for little yeah. plastic models what? and all this stuff? And I mean, some of them, I'm, they didn't really get into details about what the price increase was. They just said prices are increasing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm sure that some of the small models will probably only be like five dollars more, but some of the bigger ones are going to be like twenty dollars more. Do I think that it's going to prevent people from buying little plastic models? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I think, listen, at the end of the day, Games Workshop is a business, and they're saying the demand is super high right now for us. I mean, they're booming, man. They're booming. Good for them. Like at, a, at one of these big um, Warhammer tournaments that they have, like at the Nova Open, or let me see, the Las Vegas Open, there were over a 1,000 people playing in the tournament. Yeah. a 1,000 yeah. people in that tournament that came, right? I mean... That's a lot of people, and if you add up the total of all their armies, dude, that's a right. lot of money. And that's you know? not—that's just the people who are willing to schlep to a convention and get their that's butt right. kicked to get paid to pay money to get their butt kicked. That's right. That doesn't count that's everybody right. who's got a great collection at home and plays with their pals. 
So some people asked why the timing. Why the timing of it during COVID? Was that the smart thing to do? You know, people are feeling the pinch and you're going to announce the price increase? Well, let me tell you why they did it when they did it. Because literally two days later, they did this big reveal that Warhammer 40K 9th edition is going to be coming out soon. So they're in 8th edition now, so they're going to do an overhaul of the rulebook. I'm kind of hopeful that they're going to take on some Age of Sigmar characteristics. I think that um, there's some great things about Age of Sigmar that they could probably incorporate into 40k, but it's not it's not a one for one system because of the way that the fantasy portion is set up versus the sci-fi portion. I mean, yeah. sci-fi um, shooting is such a heavy mechanic in that yeah, yeah, that it's yeah. not in the fantasy, right? So. Uh, but, you know, I still think that there's some mechanics that we could do for a little bit of an overhaul that might help balance the meta a little bit more. And they they made some announcements regarding some things already, like, you know, tanks apparently couldn't fire if they were being overwhelmed in combat. Mm. Now they can still, and that has cool. changed the way that people are using tanks, a.k.a. they are using tanks, because it was so easy just to overwhelm them and be like, okay, well, that was done, you know? Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I, I heard. Mean, I have heard things. this news, and I don't even follow Warhammer Gamer news. Like this filtered in through my, you know, wow. tertiary channels. I was like, what's going yeah. on with Warhammer? So I was clicking through a few days ago, and I'm I'm glad you put this on the list because I would not be able to speak to it as intelligently as you have. So the interesting thing about this is that um, people are saying like, wow, I can't believe they're already doing one. Well, the last edition came out about three and a half years ago. Maybe three years ago. Um, and by the time it actually rolls out, it'll be three and a half years, which is the average between Warhammer yeah. editions. I think third edition, and I'm, I'm the Warhammer listeners out here are going to absolutely crucify me, but I'm taking this off of a video I saw. I believe it was third edition that lasted like six years, and that was like a super long time. And then there was like another one that lasted like two years. You know what I mean? So, I remember the Nova Open when it came out, and the air was electric, and they had people queued up all over in lines to go yeah. get first access to product. It was cray-cray. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because right now Space Marines are, like, the big thing. Like, they were given a big boost uh, maybe not a full year ago, maybe six to eight months ago, and, like, everyone's just running Space Marines, you know? So you're having some weird sort of, like, Cognitive dissonance, like yeah, when you're you like, some, you get Metacroft, which is <laughs> you, you you run out of, you know, your viable options get narrower and narrower and narrower. Yeah, and and it's it's weird because you're like, why is this Primaris Space Marine force fighting this other Primaris Space Marine force? You know, like on the table, you're like, I understand why they're doing it, but why are they doing that? Like, and it, and the answer is, it's because the orcs and the and the Necrons and the chaos and all that stuff just aren't super viable right now. So it sounds like they're bringing back Necrons, which are essentially like 40k Terminators. Yep. You know, I mean, they're yep. like, <laughs> you know, pretty cool, you know, walking Terminator 2 Terminators and stuff like that. So sounds like that's going to be a big part of them coming back. Sounds like orcs and other Xenos um, factions are going to be getting a boost. So I think that will help, like, maybe diversify what's being brought to the tables and make it feel a little bit more, you know, less or make it feel a little less cognitive dissonancy. I know that's, that's not a word, but I made it up. It's, it, all these games need updated editions. 
I just hope that there's... Well, what happened was in previous updates, players got angry. Right. And, and that's not good for the hobby. So whatever happens, I hope everybody doesn't get screwed. I hope that uh, your ninth edition list and your ninth edition army uh, is, is, uh, goes unscathed. And I heard from my click-throughs that they're really going to focus heavy-duty on playtesting for a ninth edition. Yeah. So that's because I think I clicked through to their, their announcement page, and they, they made a big deal about that. And so that's that's really um, thought. That's really good. That's a good indicator. And and I think one of the things that has endeared them with the community right now um, is that apparently your codexes, which is like your rules on how your faction works. Um, their codexes are still valid in the ninth edition until they get updated. Yeah. So you don't have to go out and buy all new books. You're going to have to get the new rule book, which is normal, yeah. right, for a new edition. But you don't have to go out and buy all new things. Like, you'll be phased in over time. Good. Um, and I think that's great. I think that's the way you got to do it because, you know, to tell somebody, oh, you just bought that army <laughs> six months later, it doesn't, it's not valid anymore, period, Ugh. is a tough, tough road to hoe. Ooh. Well, so. I. I uh, pray to the deity of gamers that uh, that 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 luck will smile upon Warhammer and Games Workshop, and everyone will come out of this singing "Kumbaya." What a great change it was! We did that with X-wing, X-wing 2.0. About 10% of the player base walked away and said, "This sucks," but everybody else was like, "Oh, we needed all these changes. Thank you so much. This is yeah. such a better game. It's such a clean right. game." Yeah, all right. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for pulling all that new stuff. That was great, man. My pleasure. Um, all right, so let's get into our topic of the day. Um, and I told you before we got started that this topic sort of was comes from my 13-year-old daughter who has been um, DMing her own group a little bit. Um, they take turns DMing. But she's done it a couple of times, and she has a player in her group um, who says he has the worst player background character ever. She said he looked at his sheet and it said, a soldier, one time. <laughs> That's literally, she said, it's literally four words. His background is a soldier, one time. And um, that's it. That's it. And she says, how do you, she asked me, she's like, how do you deal with something like that? And I said, oh, that's a topic for the podcast that we should talk about. So today we're going to talk about player backgrounds. When are they important? When do they matter? How to incorporate them and how to really generate them. So let's start with the first question of like, when is a player background important? What, what do you think about that? Let me tell you, there is one big, huge reason that you should make sure that the backgrounds are in place is uh, depending on the game sometimes players need to be invested in why they are a party traveling together adventuring and it doesn't matter what genre you're in so what can happen is that certain players sometimes go what do i care yeah. and you have to watch out for what do i care i think you guys yep. can all just jump off a cliff building it into the player's background is a really good way to get the player invested in hopefully hopefully invested into why they're fighting together, dying for each other, you know, killing monsters and sharing loot. And yeah, I think there's two aspects of that, right? I mean, the first one is why is this group together and doing something, right? And if you can sort of tie in background elements to it, 
it gives the player feeling like they have purpose. Like, there's a reason I am here. There's a reason it's me and not some Joe Schmo that they pulled out of the village tavern to come do this too, right? Yeah. Um, so there's it, a group coherency part of it. And then yeah. the, the other part of it, in my opinion, is um, hooks that you need to, or that you want to try to get the players to get invested in personally into the storyline. And just as a quick example, my daughter was telling me that um, she knew that one of her friends had a little sister who had gone missing, Ooh. right? And what she looked like and stuff like that. And um, there was something going on in the village, and she said that there was a little girl in the village that needed help that looked exactly like the player's sister. It wasn't oh, the player's no. sister, but it looked like her enough that all of a sudden it was like this emotional connection with the village. Uh, I hope it didn't trigger had. anything. <laughs> so, so Be careful what you stuff. trigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I mean, they're the, those two girls are besties, like in uh, real life. So she knew, she knew kind of uh, where she could go with it without Good. having to, you know, push her luck. But, um, you know, there was a, to me, that was a good use of saying like, I'm going to hook you emotionally into the problem that you're trying to solve so that no matter, like if there's dissent in the group, you've got someone who's saying, I want to, I want to do this because I feel like it's what my character would do. Right. There is a cheat a GM or DM can do when you have the guy who's like, well, I'm a soldier. Basically, when you say I'm a soldier, it's like, I like the combat part of this game, and I want to min-max my character, and I want to kick some butt. That is a classic way to approach a role-playing game, okay? There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. It happens every day that a role-playing game gets picked up. <laughs> right. there, here's a cheat for that that, may, that sometimes works. Um, you can discover that that player and another player who's already at the table, if, if there's a rational backstory, are also siblings. Oh. And long lost siblings or something like that. And then you will find a total different level of investment into those two characters. Yeah. Because, oh no, we're sliding down over the cliff. You have a choice to throw your rope to person X or your sibling. That character, you, you can start layering in what, what can happen. Um, yeah. And at least... If the, if the person with the worst possible backstory is at least tethered to another player who likes to maybe be more of a role player and maybe is more invested in the story, then you're 90% done. Right. It's, a, it's a cheat. And guess who did it? George frickin' Lucas did it. It happens all <laughs> the frickin' time. So uh, it is a cheat. And if it didn't work, you wouldn't see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So... So we know when this is important. It, uh, you were going to say something about group. Was this your comment going to be about the group and coherency? Yeah, group group dynamics are, are really important. Um, and it depends if you're putting together a group for the first time or there's a new player and maybe you're kind of working with the vibe of making everybody a happy group. Sometimes keeping the story engaging for them is also important and there there needs to be a logic behind what they're doing in the game and that logic and that glue in the backstory can help players interact with each other in a, in a more invested way um, even if even if it's really lightweight even if even if the backstory even if an NPC shows up from somebody's backstory that can be an exciting hook 
you know, oh, you know, this is my ex. Well, yeah, I, I ran a, a pre-made module where everyone was trapped in a prison and that was the beginning of the module and throughout the night, and this was a convention game, it was designed to be done in one night, everyone would run into somebody from their one page backstory that night. So in one case, I had a player run into his, his ex-wife um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the player was one of my brother's buddies and he actually had recently gone through a divorce and uh, he opened fire. So, <laughs> but, you know, but sometimes that, that, that can be another way. You don't, it doesn't have to be the Brady Bunch. You know, your player right. group doesn't have to be the Brady Bunch. Right. But as long as there's kind of a loose logic that helps everybody be together. Some games it's easier than others. If you're all on the crew of a starship and you've all joined up, then that's, that's kind of built in. But sometimes you yep. need a little bit more. You know, what I, where I found um, that background is um, is really important is when um, I you're not gonna believe this. I just totally lost my train of thought. Dun dun dun. Okay. All right. So let's so how, let's move on. How do you use let's it? Okay. So how do you yeah. use it as a GM? Um, he, the, he, there's a there's a spectrum between. Um, going, spending too much time on one player's backstory as the GM, yep. and I've fallen into the, that trap before, where one player and you, you and that player are really jiving, and things are really happening in the story, and everyone starts feeling more and more like a supporting character or a background character or a or, or uh, a stand-in, and that is. Uh, you need to use it and uh, like a buffet put a little on your plate and then put something else on there too you, yeah. if you just keep going back to that well because oh it worked last session and everybody had so much fun and you keep going back to that well it, it'll empty out real fast yeah yeah oh you know uh, here here's when to use it and this is actually tied into my thought i just remembered um i have found that a lot there's a lot of pre-gen materials out there right so like I've been running Rogue Trader with our group, right? And I've been using some of the modules because I said, hey, you know, uh, this is a great way for us to sort of explore this system and this universe. We're going to use some of these prefab modules because this is sort of how uh, Fantasy Flight Games wanted us to experience it by putting out some of these modules. So let's try it out. Here's the problem, though. Um, in some of those scenarios, you say, why are these guys supposed to be here again? And why are they going to care? That's like, a problem. Like, like and, and it happens in a lot of the pre-made uh, modules. I, I don't know if you noticed it. I mean, sometimes uh, I think Star Wars might be a little bit better about this. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You've run a lot more. But all all the, the RPGs struggle with this. They all do. Yeah, because you're sitting here going like, like why would they... You know, it, it it's funny because the adventure will say, okay, uh, act one of the adventure, the adventurers go do this. And usually that's not a problem, right? Everybody's starting out and you're like, okay... Well, there's a problem at the well. We need to go check out what that problem is, you know? Yeah. Okay, we got it, you know? And you can come up with a loose background that tells, like, why it's those people that are going to go check on the well, right? Not a problem. Um, it's the, it's the oh, we checked on the well, and the problem is way, way worse. And we actually have to go down and solve the problem down there. And you sit here going, like, well, why? Like, why would I want to go in there? I mean, I'd be like, uh, Sheriff, that's your problem. I'm out of here. 
<laughs> yeah. I checked on the well for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be here anymore. <clears throat> when the players um, are like, so if we just leave, everything's fine, right? <laughs> for yeah, us. Exactly. You know, and so yeah. you're sitting here like, crap, I put all this work into preparing something, you know, for them. And do I have something if they decide to leave? And maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I think where backgrounds come in is to tie it in there, right? Like, yeah. um, you know... Maybe that maybe the problem is the uh, of the well like somebody's been having visions of like every night in their dreams like something's in the well pulling them there, mm. you know, and if you think about that as you s- are setting up your session, you might be able to start giving you know sort of those um, uh, uh, hints and foreshadowing early on you know like sometimes and you know i don't know i know not everybody's a big fan of this but sometimes i'll start feeding some of my players some information before the session even starts like either through text or discord or something like that saying hey in our session before like we start you've been having these weird dreams that have like all of this Mm -hmm. and we don't need to go any further than that but just know that you've been having those weird dreams and when we start like things will make sense eventually you know and like all of a sudden when it's like oh my gosh is that the well for my dreams and they're like guys that's yeah. the well for my dreams and all of a sudden there's there's a little bit of a hook there you know from a background perspective so i think that that's where backgrounds you can try to find what their motivations are for being yeah. there and doing the things that they do um because a lot of these pre-generated missions don't have that there's no reason for them to be there yeah, yeah, but always look for a reason to connect up an NPC from a background or from a previous episode. Um, sometimes you'll find players totally invested in the life or death of a, of a beloved NPC, way yeah. more than the, the tortured logic you use to bring the module out. Um, right. And those modules, you know, I, I know in D&D everybody's like, yeah, I... I ran through the Underdark and, you know, it got me from level this to this and therefore I'm this. Uh, Sometimes, in most cases, you should look for a way to, like, change the NPCs around and connect them up to the story. I'm a big fan of the idea that no combat should ever be done if it doesn't move the plot forward. I hate combat tables and encounter tables. Those drive me absolutely up the freaking wall. And this that's one way to do it is to say, oh, I'm reading the story, what if so-and-so is actually, you know, somebody's former business partner, or what if somebody used to be on a team together, or this is the old, this is the the fixer from your old crew, and now now he needs needs your help. That, you can take a pre-made module and start, you know, scratching names out and swapping stuff out, and you can get a pretty good result by just, you know, improvising on the recipe with what you like to eat, not what the recipe told tells you you have to do to get the to get it perfect to match the photograph. You know, that reminds me of one of the best episodes of The Mandalorian, actually. Yeah. And you yeah. may you may you may remember the one I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah, you probably do because you've watched it like fifty thousand times. I watched um, it two or three times. <laughs> think about think think about the one I'm thinking of, which is. It, it's uh, the episode where he got basically uh, forced into doing one, quote-unquote, one last job. For his old crew. For his old crew, yeah. right? And we met up with those guys. We met up with those people. There's an old NPC. And how much backstory did that provide us as the audience versus them just telling us about it? Yeah, like, 
Yeah, and like when he was 20, right? he worked with so-and-so. And when he was 22, yeah. he worked with a different so-and-so. No, no, no. Yeah. Introducing those characters, you know, that yeah. when I said the fixer, that hairy guy who yep. worked with Mando came to mind when I said that because yep. it could it be fun. Uh, it, that episode would have been half as good if he didn't already know two or three of the, the people in the room. Yeah, and have some have some real history with yeah. it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so to get something like that, well, and, and here's the thing is we knew why he needed to do it, right? He needed to fix up his ship. Um, he needed to, you know, be able to get out of Dodge. And he ran into these guys who could do that for him. So he, he needed something, right? So he had something that he needed that tied into his background. And that's where, that's where the magic happened, right? And, and so, that's, that's such a great yeah. RPG episode, it stands yeah. oh, alone. It, totally it feels like an RPG episode. You've got all the different archetypes there. You've got the melee. You've got the the range combat person. You've got the hacker droid. I mean, it, I basically went running to my Edge of the Empire books and said, when can I get a group together to do this? This is <laughs> right. fun. Even watching yeah. that crew that kind of sucked and they're annoying. Like, they should have got, got a way prettier girl to play the Twi'lek. I was not impressed with who they got. Um, because if you look at the artwork that they run during the credits, I'm like, well, the chick in the artwork's hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would he be with this cow? She's, right, she's right. not pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, so to create a background, what are the things that, like, a player needs to have, in, the, in your opinion? So and the, what, what, does a D, what does a DM need to make sure that a player has? It's, it's very simple. Um, answer three questions. If you can okay. answer these questions, you have a workable background for any player, which is what does your character love? Yep. What does your character hate? And what does your character fear? And yeah. Why? So if you can answer each of those questions and say, and why, you pretty much in six sentences or three sentences can have a totally serviceable background. Yeah. Um, you, have en- you, know, you have enough to entice the character towards what they want. You have enough to um, you know, infuriate the character by, by, getting, by, by triggering what, what, what that character hates, not triggering the player, but triggering the character. And then you have what they fear. You know, what are they afraid of? And gosh, yeah. you make a list of everything that everybody fears, and you've got six bad guys. Line them uh, up. Right, right. <laughs> Line six, them up. Six scenari- or six scenarios, right? Yeah, Because right it, it might be like, I really fear snakes. Well, guess what? We're going to be on a jungle planet, and there are some nasty snakes in here, you know, or something like that, that you have to overcome and fear or something like that. Um, so, so... There's a couple ways to create background, right? There's one one way is to sort of let players do it, work with the jams. We'll talk about that in just a second. The other way is probably the more common way, and I gotta tell you, I'm not I'm not a super big fan of this way because I feel like it feels a little wooden. Um, it's sort of how D and D is laid laid it out, where you click on your background, you know, um, yeah. thing, and it, it basically gives you six options for like. Um, uh, gosh, I can't remember the three different right. categories. Right. Um, it, it's like your bond, your your. Um, uh, I can't remember what they're it called. It was better right than nothing. It's not great, yes. but it's better than nothing. And and I think it and, and it's totally meant for the player who's like I've never done this before. I don't know who this character is. I don't know who they want to be. So I've got something like my family was. I was stranded alone when I was a child. One. 
Uh, two is um, I'm used to a certain level of comfort in my life, right? Three is, and, and I mean, you just kind of go through there and that sort of gives you three or four data points that you can say, okay, I can kind of start to uh, get a story around it. What it doesn't totally do are answer those three questions that you, that you yeah. have laid out. It sort of answers some of them. Um, maybe some of the hate ones, right? And yeah. maybe even some of the love ones. But it de- I don't think it does a lot of the fear ones. And I don't think it fleshes it out to a total detail. You know, it may be like, you really love your family and you hated to see them go. Okay, I can kind of work with that one. But it doesn't answer the why part of it. Like, yeah. why did you hate to see them go? Like, what happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like you, I, I agree with you. Like you said, it's, it's better than nothing. Um, but... Sometimes it just feels so wooden. It's it's kind of plug and play, you know. It's yeah. like, look, this is probably your they're playing D and D. This is probably your first D and D. If you look at the number of new players' stats, that's what they need. They they know who their market is. Everybody else who's been playing this for years and years is like, you know, I had an idea for you know an elf that was raised by orcs. What would yep. that be like? Blah 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 blah. And, you know, everybody else has been doing it for a while can kind of, you know, improvise and, and yep. bring something a little special to it. And the age yeah. ages of players really matter because if you look at basic D&D, it has to work for the 12, 11, 12, 13-year-old player, whatever the yep. recommended age is. Um, and adults can play the games too, but they the adults are kind of looking for maybe different notes on the piano. Right. But the love, hate, fear thing can work. If you could talk to a 13-year-old and say, well, you got this character. What, what's the thing they love most in the world? They'll tell you. What's yeah. the thing they hate? Oh, yeah. What are they afraid of? And so you write those things down. Um, and then suddenly, you know, um, you've got kind of a more three-dimensional picture. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let's talk about characters creating their own backgrounds because there's a balance here too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the wooden ones. Let's talk about the ones that are unimaginative. The ones that are just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm very good at this type of thing. Yeah. What like, do you what love? Do you do? I love being an elf. What do you hate? Not elves. What do you fear? <laughs> Anything that's not an elf. It's like, okay, we know you wanted to play Legolas. We, okay, yeah. we're with you. You know. Yeah. So what do you, what do you like? There's a balance there between the the uh, DM telling them like, okay, you know, like I, I don't think a DM should ever tell a player hit their background, right? That's like rule number one. You should not break. Yeah. Um. But like, how do you how do you? I, I mean, I think your three questions are fundamentally awesome. How do you draw that out of them a little bit more if they're struggling? Well. Uh... All you have to say is why. If they give you a a a, a, a terse one word answer, you just say, "Well, why do you think that is? Why do you think?" And then suddenly, yeah. it's like there's no wrong answer once you ask a player, "Why do you think? Why do you think that is?" Well, I think this. Okay, we'll write that yeah. down. Why do you think? And so, if you can get through two or three, and you, if you can be the three year old in the room that just keeps asking, "Why? Why? Why?" You'll get you'll get the building blocks that you need, and you really don't need very yeah. many. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, on the other end of the spectrum, um, you've got too imaginative. Oh, yes. This is everybody's favorite. Let me tell you about my character. Um, War and born Peace. Under the, born under the Oracle Sun of 1833. You know? So, you got to ask yourself, why is it fun to play a role-playing game? Yep. And you have to focus on that. Okay, so this character, this player, sorry, 
has gone through and written a 10-page backstory for their character. And they have fallen in love with their own narrative. And they think it's great. And they're like, I can't wait to play this character. Um, one of the things that you have to worry about is them kind of changing canon or making stuff up. You know, you don't want somebody to say, and then he found Aladdin's lamp and had three wishes and got all the money in the world. So you have to control that you, you have, if, if there's some fundamental problems in there that don't jive with the game, but you can say, okay, well, that amazing thing happened to your character. But, but now you're here, your character sheet says this, what happened between then and now? And they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he was the emperor of this, you know, this township or, the, or sorry, this country and it got invaded. So the other thing you have to do is you don't have to do a lot to follow the narrative of their 10-page backstory. Pretty much all they really want you to do is to read it and to mention one thing that was in it about once a session yeah. as a throwaway line or as a, a walk-on cameo NPC. Yeah. And that will make their heart go to flutter and they will be, they'll be like, yes, I'm playing the game, and this character is the way I think. The problem most DMs and GMs find is they get the 10-page backstory. They don't want to read all 10 pages because it's not well written, and they don't, and then, then they just ignore it. And they say, well, just roll right. initiative. Yeah. So right. you got to ask yourself, okay, you got this player at the table. You guys need to come to an agreement of, of what, why you're at the table. What, yep. what makes this fun? Um, and... Here's the biggest worry that I have is two imaginative players who want to write a lot of in-between game narrative uh -huh. and they want to take other people's characters and, and puppet them and say, well, then right. your character did this, then mine did this, then, then isn't this great what I'm writing because I'm working on my novel and I'm using this RPG to help me do it. Yeah, you gotta stamp that out quick. That will drive everyone out of their minds. You're you're basically barreling towards a group ending <laughs> once you have that happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So definitely, those are some pointers. But but don't don't reject the ten page narrative. Figure out a way. Find one thing on every page and write in the margin one thing one thing on every page that you think you could work with. You know, Dan, that's that's some great advice. I mean, we have a player in our group right now, um, Nick. And um, we're playing our rogue trader system. Hi, and, Nick. Yeah, hey Nick. <laughs> he um, he he has invested in learning the lore of this of this um, world or this universe, right? And he put in some stuff in that background that was like, I mean, I was like, that's pretty advanced stuff. You know what I mean? Like yep. your your average guy who doesn't really know much wouldn't have put that in there. Like he he went to. Um, it was like a, a Raven Space Marine Academy, essentially, you know, and learn like oh stealth techniques. And, you know, nobody really knows like Raven stuff unless you're playing the game type of thing. Sure. And, you know, I picked that out and I remember hitting him back and being like, dude, have you played have you played 40K before? Because like this is some good stuff. And he's like, no, I've been watching some videos and I really like that. You know, I'm like, oh, dude, like this is great. And so um, I, what I need to do as a GM is incorporate that a little bit better in as we're playing, right? Um, because I, I thought it was, I, I liked that he took the time to explore the lore and the narrative. Yep. And incorporate that, and it, I mean, it's consistent, so that's great. And don't use um, it to bang him over the head. Maybe it's that one little right. boon at that moment. 
He's like, and then it's like, oh yeah, now you just ran into somebody from your academy, and they slip yeah. you a piece of information. Then you're like, what? What? Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, exactly. that's that's exactly. kind of what you want. Um, at the same time, you know, you got to make sure every character gets gets screen time. Yep. Yep. So it's, so a, it's a balance. There's there's one more category I realized that that um, you know, working with a, a person to kind of create the background, and I've run into this a couple of times. It's I don't know the background, but like, like I don't want to mess up what your campaign is as a yeah, GM. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess up whatever story you have. So um, how about if you help me create this because I want it to sync up with what you're doing, right? And it's not that they don't want to be imaginative. It's just that they're afraid of breaking the GM's narrative. Yep. Yeah. And I think um, I think there's that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting idea because for me. I mean, other if I'm if I'm not running a module, right, or um, you know, or or canned adventure type of thing, and even when I am, I'm trying to let the players drive the story, right. And so if they, I, 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 somebody came up to me and said, you know, I don't know what you want me to put here, and I'm like, I don't, I want you to put what you want to put there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I will take what you put, and I, I don't will know. What do you want? This. I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think, um, I mean, the, the advice goes back to kind of what you were saying before. It's like, okay, I'll tell you what I want. What does your character love? What does your character hate? What does your character fear? Like, you tell me those things, and we can, we, I can work with that. You know what I mean? And um, I think really what that player really wants, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but they want reassurance that they're not going to break the game. Yes, and that can happen. It is possible to build a really great character with a great backstory who, without proper communication with the GM or DM, will get totally thrown in the trash, right? Yeah. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. Mike is in our group. He was running our one of our old Star Wars games, and I wanted a guy that was kind of like Lando in his spare time, and he owned stuff, and the old version of the D20 game lets you do that. You could build up an organization, and that uh-huh. sounded like way fun to me. And he was a social character, right? Yep. And um, But the story was Odyssey. You're stuck on a ship. You go into unknown space. And he liked to pick up every episode the minute the last one ended. So uh-huh. I was never phoning home. And I had built all this stuff out. And it was just a whole lot of nothing. And, and not only just wasted creative energy, it was also wasted like talents and feats and stuff. Yeah. Because the GM was so, in, in Mike, to his great credit, he was he wanted to tell an interesting story and wanted it to be different and wanted to change our expectations around. And when you do that, you also have to be listening to your players and say, at, at that point in time, you instead of saying, it, it, sometimes patting the player on the head and say, whatever you want is fine. Sometimes you need to slip him a, a, a hint and say, guess what? This sounds awesome. But because you're going to be lost in space for a while, I'm going right. to let you give. I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give you that. But you're not going to be able to go check in with your organization. And as the player, you go, oh, okay. So yeah, my my idea was still cool. I was still thirst and howl on the island, but I still had an outfit change for every day of the week. Right. You know, and 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 that's that's all that kind of takes sometimes is. Um, you have to listen at a different level than you're used to listening to people just talk about their their talk about a game. Yeah. So. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Just two cents. If you do this wrong long enough, you'll come up with all this great advice. <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, well, thank you very much, Dan. Those were great uh, bits of advice. And I think that this is something beneficial to all GMs who um, have been doing this for a short time or have been doing this for a long time. I mean, I, I picked up a few little tips in here that I, I feel like I need to do a better job of incorporating even into you know the games that I'm currently running that uh, to kind of help hook the players, help them feel more engaged in the universe that we're playing, right? And um, really kind of uh, uh, get the players in sync with each other. It's tough. It's an art form, especially when everybody's getting to know each other virtually right now. Yeah. It's it's even harder. It's even yeah. harder. But it's yeah. worth it. If, Definitely. If it, if it creates a great group and you keep on it and you look forward to the next game, it's all worth it. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we are going to get this episode up, and uh, hopefully you like it. Um, hit us up on Facebook uh, and uh, let us know if you've got any other topics or items you'd like us to discuss or address. And we, I mean, we'd love to do it and love to hear any comments or feedback you have. So like, share, and subscribe. You know those three magic words. What? what? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, everybody. You have a good night. Bye now. Bye.